It was a bright, sunny fall day in North Texas. I was driving my fully paid for 2005 Saturn View down the state highway on my way to work, just minding my own business and everything was going great. And then it happened. A horrifying, loud, crashing sound, bright white flashing lights, searing pain in my right leg. And I don't really remember anything else. What I do remember is waking up on the pavement of that state highway with my car sputtering and smoking nearby and a fireman's jacket under my head and my leg. I remember looking at my right leg and it, it was my leg, but it wasn't acting or feeling like my leg. And then I heard this wailing, this crying off to the side, this group of teenage girls all dressed in Wiley High School cheerleader outfits, just wailing and crying. They were the ones that had broadsided me on this state highway. And as they loaded me on the ambulance that day, I remember saying, it, why are they crying? Is somebody hurt? And the nice fireman who lent me his jacket said, yes, you are the one who is hurt. Now, friends, on the scale of serious accidents, this one doesn't really rate very highly. I mean, it was just two totaled vehicles, one teenage driver who got her license suspended, and one 48-year-old female sent to the hospital with a crushed leg. Not the end of the world, except it was my accident, and it was my car that got totaled, and it was my leg that got crushed. And if I'm going to be honest, it was kind of life-changing. It was the beginning of what has been a 14-year journey, learning to live with the limits of this broken physical body, 14 years of fighting something broken that can't quite be fixed. In the light and the beauty of this morning, at the risk of being a bit of a downer, I just have to say, life is full of such flat on the pavement moments, isn't it? Moments when suddenly something's broken and putting it back together, fixing it, seems impossible the riot on our capital, the senseless shooting in Uvalde, the massive swell of desperate people seeking food and jobs and safety on our borders and the borders of other stable countries in Europe and the Middle East. And while we might disagree about the details of these events, we can all agree that our politics the social fabric of our country, the world's economic systems, they are broken. And then there are those tender things closer to home. We watch our elderly friends and relatives diminish. We watch our younger friends and relatives make crucial, life-changing mistakes. We experience deep wounds and chasms between us and those we love, or the failure of our bodies to heal, or the deep loss and grief 
that comes with death. Friends, we can pretend it's not the case. We can ignore it or cover it up, but our lives and our world are broken. And the question, can it be fixed? Will it be fixed? When and how might it be possible? These are the most important questions we can ask or try to answer, right? It's no wonder then that as the Apostles' Creed comes to an end, it addresses these important questions. Does God care about our broken lives and our broken world? Will the brokenness of our bodies and relationships, the natural order and social order, ever be fixed? Or in theological language, will the world be redeemed? The creed speaks to these important concerns saying just one thing. I believe in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. The resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Now perhaps when you hear this or say this, you assume that we're just speaking about what happens after death. And that's not entirely wrong. But the closing statement of the creed says so much more. I believe in the resurrection of the body and life everlasting says something bigger, more profound, more hopeful than just the promise of eternal life for me or you or those we love. In a world where creation and social structures, where families and bodies are literally wasting away, the creed declares that what Christians have always believed. The creed declares a foundation for Christian hope, for Christian courage, and for living the Christian life. So as we approach Scripture with these ultimate concerns, will you pray with me? God, we thank you that we can come to you with such ultimate concerns. We ask that you would open our hearts that you would open our minds to hear the hope you have for us this day. Amen. Hear now these words concerning the resurrection of the body as we find them in 2 Corinthians, the fourth and fifth chapter. The Apostle Paul writes, so we do not lose heart, even though our inner nature is wasting away, our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day. For our slight momentary affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all measure, because we look not at what can be seen, but at what cannot be seen. For what can be seen is temporary, but what cannot be seen is eternal. For we know that the earthly tent we live in is destroyed. We have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to be further clothed with our heavenly dwelling, for surely when we have been clothed in it, we will not be found naked. For while we were in this tent, we groan under our burden, because we wish not to be unclothed, but to be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. The one who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a down payment. So we are always confident, even though we know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
You have to love the Apostle Paul. He so wants to open up for us the mystery of life and death and life beyond death. He so wants to help his beloved church to not lose heart. He knew that they were watching the end of life as they knew it, as the Roman Empire was devolving, as they were lashing out at Judaism and Christianity. He knew that they groaned under the brokenness of it all, that they wondered about God's presence and God's plan in it all. And he tells them, friends, more is going on here than meets the eye. While everything seems to be wasting away, there is also renewal. While brokenness seems so strong, God's glory is also present. While our bodies and our world break, they are being swallowed up by life. Now, maybe you'd like a more specific explanation of how and when this would all happen. I would. Sure, the the church has always wanted that. But the Apostle Paul reminds us we walk by faith, not by sight. We can know some things. The Holy Spirit gives us a down payment on some things. But we're talking about the eternal, the holy, the unknowable here, aren't we? So what can we know? What does it actually mean when we stand and recite the Apostles' Creed and say, I believe in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting? What can we know? Well, the first thing we can know is this, that our groaning matters to God, that God cares about our bodies, our physical bodies, about our relationships, about our human systems of justice and of peace that God cares about and hears the groans of creation itself, that God cares about and hears the groans of all those who suffer in brokenness. And that leads to the second thing we can know. Our God is at work in our world and in our lives. Our God is at work beating back the brokenness, building an alternative to what's wasting away. And God invites each of us to walk by faith and be part of that work. I told you that I've been on a 14-year journey with this dumb leg of mine. That's included a number of surgeries, countless rounds of therapy, a personal trainer who was really cute, by the way. And eventually, after years, I got to the point where I could walk pain-free. Hallelujah. A good thing. But, but I'm still broken. I limp. And my gait is so awkward that here in the church on that tile floor, people can tell that it's me coming down the hall before they ever see me. And I fall. I fall often. Those of you on the personnel committee, I hate to admit this in front of you, you'd be alarmed at how many times I've fallen on the job. I've never put a workman's comp claim in, though. And when I fall, I tend to break things. And when I break things, 
I have to start the process of taking care of this stupid little body of mine all over again. On the other hand, when I think about the 14 years I've been through and the many wonderful therapists and trainers that have poured into me to bring me to where I am, when I think about the fact that I can walk a few miles, I did it just yesterday, without pain, I am so very grateful. And I do not, I will not lose heart. In the late 80s, a young woman came to me in crisis. She had a small child, she had a baby on the way, and she had just learned of her husband's infidelity and that he had AIDS. Now this was the late 80s. We didn't know a lot about AIDS. There was no cure, there were no real treatments. Her world was falling apart and her fear fear for herself and her unborn child, it was so very strong. It was a horrible, broken situation, but that church came alongside this precious family. We cared for her preschooler. We accompanied her to doctor's appointments, to lawyer's appointments. We helped her financially and legally, and we gave her a Stephen minister named Mary. Now, Mary was a beautiful person. She was an elderly, godly woman who knew nothing about AIDS. She knew nothing about divorce. She knew nothing about legal battles. But for three years, three years, Mary walked with that young woman through the most broken and terrifying moments. They met once a week for an hour, and that was the young woman's time to be able to talk, to be able to pour out her heart, pour out her fears, her doubts, and her hopes. Mary told me that she rarely spoke when they met except to pray or to bless. But when that young woman received the devastating news that she had the virus, Mary was there. And when that baby was born miraculously free from the virus, Mary was there. When the young woman grew ill, Mary was there. And when the young woman's sister came to adopt the children and take them into her care, Mary was there. You see, as a Stephen minister, Mary couldn't fix the brokenness of that situation. She couldn't stop the death of that precious young mother. But Mary's presence and her faith allowed her to witness to God, pushing back the despair, pushing back the brokenness. Mary's faith allowed her to be part of that work and to witness that young woman's extraordinary peace and sacrifice and love. It was beautiful, it was holy, it touched us and it changed our church. We were one of the only churches in Richardson, Texas at the time that would visit people in the hospital with AIDS. And we never turned back. Friends, that's what our Stephen ministers here at WHPC do. They walk alongside people in brokenness. They witness to God's activity, God's healing and God's strength so that their care receivers will not lose hope. 
That brings me to the last thing that Paul teaches us about the resurrection of the body. That it's beyond anything we can possibly imagine. That as much as God pushes back brokenness and pain in this life, the world to come can't compare in glory. That's why we read these words from the 21st chapter of Revelation at funerals. It's to remind us that God's plan for us and for our world is so much bigger than death. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and first earth had passed away, and I heard a voice from heaven saying, See, God is with mortals. God will dwell with them. He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death will be no more, and mourning and crying and pain will be no more. Such good news. So don't lose heart, says Paul. Even though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature, it's being renewed day by day by day. I believe in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. That's how we end the creed. It's a strong truth that we proclaim. It is the foundation of our hope. It's the foundation of our courage. But it also demands that we live as if it's true. True, not just in some life to come, but in this life, as we face our own brokenness and as we work with God to transform the brokenness around us. In the end, we make a choice. It's a choice to believe. I'm reminded of a great scene in the Old Testament. It's my favorite scene. It's in the 37th chapter of the book of Ezekiel. You know the scene. It's where the prophet Ezekiel gets taken out to a big old valley, and God shows him this valley, and it's full of bones, and they are dry, and they are dead. And God says to the prophet, this is my people Israel. Ezekiel, can these bones live? And Ezekiel just kind of looks and then says, well, you know, oh God, you know. He doesn't dare to hope. He doesn't dare to answer. But he doesn't put it past God to blow the spirit into those bones and bring them back to life. Well, friends, we get asked this question every day. We get asked this question in the way we give of ourselves, in the way we look at things, in the way we speak about things. We get asked, can these bones live? Is the brokenness of life just too much? Is God really still at work? And the Apostle Paul reminds us, we know the answer. We know that God resurrects in this life and in the next. Our Savior Jesus Christ taught us that. Our Savior Jesus Christ showed us that. In the end, we make a choice. We choose to believe, and like Christians have done for centuries, we take a leap I of faith. I believe in God, the Father, Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, and suffered under Pontius Pilate. He was crucified, dead, and buried. 
he descended into hell. The third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, in the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. God be with us this day. Help us to see your resurrecting power all around us. Help us to lift one another up because of what you are doing and what you are creating of this broken world and our broken lives, we will not lose hope. And let all God's people say,